0: From Brill Cream.
1: Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Chester Radio. <laughs> Don't
0: argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done.
1: The complete solution for your home PC. Bob, you can put down that fire extinguisher. Let it burn. Shing! Hey, good evening. Welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. It's Monday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Welcome,
2: welcome. On the other white meat, Get funky fried. Yeah, I'm hung like planet, planet Pluto. Pluto. Eye,
1: hey, such a I show we have for you see see this evening weakness. to kick I off our shine. podcast. Kind of like Solo, always always stroking my own wookie, and you can call me Cookie. Yeah, call me cookie. The root, the root, all right, that's enough of that. Welcome to the show. Come on in. Settle down. Shake it off, put your feet up, put your head back. You do have head back permission for the duration of the show for the next 120 minutes. Put your head all the way back, all the way. Doesn't that feel good? And if you're so inclined, now might be the time to partake in some sort of mind-altering substance. I know, for example, many of you fellows are prone to to enjoying a brewski now and then. Now's the time to crack open a cold one if you got one in the fridge. If you're a lady, I understand the ladies love the wine. Pour yourself a frosty, crystal clear glass of wine, whatever the fuck you do with it. I don't know, room temperature glass of wine. Sit back, put your feet up, put your head back. Now, for folks such as myself and Lord of Sin, who's joining me this evening behind the glass who don't have the extra brain cells to spare maybe you want to roll yourself up a nice fatty now's a good time to do that and partake in joy because it's a this is the time just for you and you know what else is good if you have someone special with you if you have a dear one Get them in the room. Bring them over. Say, honey, come on in. Let's let's listen to the ravings of a clown together and get that special someone there next to you. And if you don't have someone special with you, well, then it would be my privilege and honor if I could be that someone special. Why don't you just scooch around over here next to me behind the console and you can hang out with me for the show. I'd like that. We got Dion and the Beach Boys and the Allman Brothers and Willie Nelson, Guess Who, and the Beatles, and so much more to kick off our podcast. Let's turn our attention to the headlines now, citing broad gaps in U.S. intelligence. The Coast Guard cautioned the Bush administration weeks ago that it could not determine whether a United Arab Emirates based company seeking a stake. In some U.S. port operations, might support terrorist operations. So apparently, the White House, who claimed the other day there was no big deal, they did a secret investigation. They asked the Coast Guard, would there be any problem if you know we allowed the uh, United Arab Emirates to take over control of this group of six East Coast seaports? And the Coast Guard came back and said, yes, yes, big fucking problem. And they went ahead and did it anyway. The disclosure came during a hearing. And, you know, man, this is really um the most secretive administration the United States has ever had in my lifetime. It'd be one thing. I'm not even really a 100% sure that it's a bad idea to allow this country or this company from this country to take over these seaports. But... Why not, you know, conduct the investigation in public instead of behind closed doors? That makes me suspicious. The disclosure came during a hearing today on Dubai-owned DP World's plan to assume significant operations at six leading U.S. ports. It also clouded whether the administration's agreement to conduct an unusual investigation into the pending takeover security risks would allay lawmakers' concerns, apparently the phony baloney self investigation the white the the white house is conducting isn't exactly placating the uh pundits the administration said the coast guard's concerns were raised during uh its review of the deal which it approved on january 17th and that all those questions were resolved london based peninsular and oriental steam navigation company now handles those uh, port operations. So if you want to hand over those ports control to a company that's based in the UAE, then um, I think there's reason to investigate that. Take a look at that. Let's do that out in the open. Meanwhile, Iraqi security forces announced today the capture of a senior al-Qaeda in Iraq figure, and the U.S. ambassador said the risk of civil war from last week's sectarian violence was over. It's everything's everything's honky-dory now since it's only it's only been like 72 hours ago they were blasting the fuck out of each other, but all that's behind us. Violence throughout the Iraq killed 36 people uh, on Monday as fierce fighting broke out between Iraqi commandos and insurgents southeast of the capital, but sectarian clashes have declined sharply since the bloodletting that followed the destruction of a revered Shiite shrine in Samarra, and Baghdad residents returned to their jobs after three days of government-imposed curfew. How do these people make a living? They're out in the fucking streets all day, blasting each other to bits. No wonder they're so fucking poor. But every fucking house has an AK-47. They got the money for that. The Iraqi interior minister believes that the kidnapped American journalist Jim Carroll remains alive. His office said uh, today, one day after the deadline set by her captors, that they were going to cack her. In an interview with ABC, the Interior Minister Bayan Jabbar said he knew who abducted the 28-year-old freelance reporter, of the Christian Science Monitor, on January 7th. We know his name and address. We're following up on him as well as Americans. The Americans, Jabbar, told ABC, I think she's still alive. If this guy knows where these people live, let's just fucking nail him to a a, a board and fucking whack him with a rock until he spits it out. <laughs> just fucking, man, just good old-fashioned, you know, hook up a car battery, his testicles, man, he'll be singing like a pigeon. U.S. Ambassador Zalmay Khalidzid told Fox TV that he heard the same news from Jabbar. He said that... Uh, based on the information that he has she's still alive we're doing all we can to help bring about uh, a release and we'll and we'll persist with that but minister announced today that he's optimistic about her release so we got our fingers crossed another one of these stupid bitches i mean this one uh you know i think uh, um a lot less uh Offensive and, you know, a lot of these religious people get abducted and I'm thinking, you know, like, why are you fucking people even over there gumming up the fucking works? Bad enough without you wacky people trouncing around, getting kidnapped and scaring the bejeebers out of everybody. But this woman was a reporter. Obviously, you know, it's a dangerous place to go and report the news, but it's a noble profession, you got to admit. So... At least uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed uh, that we get her back safe and sound. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. It's uh, Monday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Alan Parsons' project kicks it off. You can't take it with you, but you can with Jester Radio's podcast. More on that coming up. Don't fuck with that dial. Leave it right where it is. It starts getting good right now. and Janie on my right, and Mary is the girl that I'll be with tonight, and when they ask me which one I love the best, I tear open my shirt and show Rosie on my chest, because I'm a wanderer, Dion DiMucci and the Belmonts on Jester Radio, the wanderer, Alan Parsons Project started that set, Can't Take It With You. And those two songs are examples of traveling songs. See, The Wanderer and Can't Take It With You. But, in fact, now you can because starting very shortly, hopefully in the next day or two, you can uh, download Jester Radio's most recent show and uh, probably all the previous ones, too, at some point. We're going to get those in via uh, podcasting. So you could just go to one of those, whatever your favorite podcast Website is uh, iPod, I mean um, podcast.net and uh, you know iTunes or whatever, and you can uh, simply download the latest uh, ravings of a clown and then take it with you and listen to it on your MP3 player, listen to it at the office, li- listen to it live streaming um, over the Internet whenever you please. So we got that coming up for you. That's real exciting. We've—it's only the podcasting has only been around for like seventeen years. We're just starting to do it. Bob, the engineer, got off his lazy fucking ass and wrote up all the code that has to go with it. There's apparently something you have to do and uh, create a uh, an XML file and uh, generate an RSS feed. If this means anything to you, I feel very sorry for you. But that's what we're going through right now. At least tens of thousands of veterans with non-critical medical issues could suffer delayed or even denied care in the coming years to enable President Bush to meet his promise of cutting the deficit in half if the White House is serious about its proposed budget. After an increase for next year, the Bush budget would turn current trends on their head, even though the cost of providing medical care to veterans has been growing by leaps and bounds White House budget documents assume a cutback in 2008 and further cuts thereafter. They know the prices are going to go up, and they're making up a stupid, phony, baloney budget cutting back the expenses after 2008, coincidentally when he's out of there. In fact, the proposed cuts are so draconian that it seems to some that the White House is simply making them up to make its long-term deficit figures look better. More realistic numbers, however, would raise doubts as to whether Bush could keep his promise to wrestle the deficit under control by the time he leaves office. This, you'll recall, of course, is the party of smaller government, and they're always razzing the Democrats that they want to tax and spend. But, of course, then these motherfuckers drag you into war, and what do they do? They tax and spend. It's just all going to one thing, war. It's not going to this fucking, you know, pansy-ass, save the owls bullshit. But that shit costs just a fraction of what these guys are costing you. Sunshine and mild temperatures helped bring the crowds out today as New Orleans' first post-Katrina Mardi Gras grew near. But sales of the bayonets were down this year at Café du Monde where the manager noticed that a stroll down Bourbon Street is a lot easier now than it was this time last year. Right now you can walk down the middle of Bourbon Street before. It was so crowded it was almost as an adventure trying to get across Said Scott Escara, who noted the sales of the little French pastries were down about 25%. 25%? That's not bad. Sales are only down by a quarter. I'd say it's a fucking miracle. New Orleans annual pre-Lenten celebration of Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, and the days leading up to it is one of the tourist... Reliance City's major tourism events. Of course, everybody that knows about Mardi Gras or has been to Mardi Gras or heard about Mardi Gras or ever seen a, what are those things called, the wild, wet and wild videos? You know what I'm talking about. Knows that the Mardi Gras, of course, is the time for showing you your tits. When my friend Bruce went to Tulane University back in '81, he sent me pictures. He sent me beads in an in an envelope, and in it was pictures he took of chicks pulling their shirts up. I th- I thought it was he was fucking sending me mail from Sodom and Gomorrah. I couldn't fucking believe my eyeballs. He would put in like ten or twenty pictures of chicks pulling their shirts up. And they had all kinds of funky makeup on, and some of them had painted up their tits and shit. So that's what Mardi Gras is. Mardi Gras is the is the land of show me your tits. It's a very special time of year when guys actually get to see enough tits for one night. The backlog of unsold new homes reached a record level last month as sales slipped despite the warmest January in more than 100 years. The Commerce Department reported today that sales of new single-family homes dropped by 5% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.233 million units last month. That was the slowest pace since January of 2005 and left the number of unsold homes at a record high of 528,000. Analysts viewed the new data as further evidence that the nation's red hot housing market, which hit record sales levels for five straight years, has definitely started to cool. The decline in new home sales in January makes it clear that there's some real softening in the housing market, said Joel Naroff, chief executive at Naroff Economic Advisors on Wall Street. Tumbling oil prices helped lift investors' spirits. The Dow Jones Industrials average rose 35.7 points to close. At 11,097, the 5% decline was bigger than expected, dashing hopes that the milder-than-normal January would help to bolster demand. The warm weather has pushed the level of construction starts last month by 14.5%, the fastest rate in three decades. You're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Monday. February the 27th, the year of our Lord 2006. Beach Boys on JR.
0: hi okay. okay. Beat. and we've never missed yet with the girls we meet Yeah, get around, round.
3: First world world in an English market town. I do believe we traveled and schoolboy blue, the cap upon the crown, books on knee our faces pressed against the dusty railway carriage panes. As all our lives went rolling on the clicking wheels of trains. School years passed like eternity and i have lost, well left behind And it seemed the city was calling me to see what I might find Almost grown, I stood before horizons made of dreams I think I stole a kiss or two while rolling on the clicking wheels of dreams Up a fan of ties or chains, throwing words like fireworks in the end. Not much remains a photograph in your memory through the colored lens of time. All our lives were just a smudge of smoke against the sky. Silver rail. Spread far and wide through the 19th century Some straight and true, some serpentine From the cities to the sea and out of sight But those who rode in style That worked the military might On through the night to plot and chart The twisting parts of trains Day they buried Jean Juarez, World War I broke free. Like an angry river, overflowing its banks impatiently. While mile on mile, the soldiers filled the railway stations' archeries and veins. I see them now go laughing on. The narrow Russian cage Weeks turn into months And the enthusiasm wanes Sacrifices in seas of mud And still, you don't know why All their lives are just a puff of smoke Against the sky Then came surrender then came the peace, then revolution out of the east Then came the crash, then came the tears Then came the thirties, the nightmare years Then came the same thing over again Light as the moon that watches over the plain, All driven insane Dreams are these that I never saw before Snatching up refugees from the ghettos of the war To stand confused with all their worldly goods Beneath the watching God's disdain As young and old go rolling on the clicking wheels of dreams And the driver only does this job with vodka in his coat And he turns around and he makes a sign with his hand across his throat But days on end, through sun and snow, the destination still remains the same For those who ride with death above the clicking wheels of trains Innocence they had in childhood games. Painted red or blue, when I was young, they all had names. Who remember the ones who only wrote in them to die? All their lives are just a smudge of smoke against the sky. Now 40 years have come and gone And I'm far away from there And I ride the Amtrak From New York City to Philadelphia And there's a man To bring you food and drink And sometimes passengers exchange A smile or two Rolling on the humming wheels But I can't tell you books, them more, if so only, me. but I believe when they look outside, they don't see what I see, over there, beyond the trees, it seems that I can just make out the stain fields of pollen, calling out to all the passing trains. Cause that there's nothing in this life remains the same Everything is governed by the losses and the gains Still sometimes I get caught up in the past I can't say why All our lives are just a smudge of smoke Or just a breath of wind against the sky
1: I'll do it on Jester Radio. Trains is another cool way to enjoy uh, Jester Radio now that it's available on podcast, or will be very shortly. The uh, Beach Boys before that, I get around, and when you do, be sure to take along your MP3 player. Is this getting enough? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, it's enough with the podcast. We have a podcast coming up. We're all very excited about it around here. So uh, we're playing a lot of music about uh, all the cool things you could do while listening to Jester Radio. Leave it to the Dutch. By the way, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Monday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Hanging behind the glass with the Lord of Sin. Hanging inside the Jest Radio chat room with S. Poe and Sid the Neighbor, the world-famous Sid the Neighbor, whose name is spoken in over 130 countries each and every day. Had a special afternoon show this afternoon. Too bad you missed it. So sorry. Sometimes when you tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, it's a live show. Once in a blue moon. So I hope you caught it because it's gone for good, as they say. It was not recorded or anything. And so it's in the ether. The Martians will be listening to it next week. Leave it to the Dutch to help demonstrate the health benefits of chocolate. By the way, coming up next hour, we have um, trivia on Jester Radio. Stick around for that. Something very cool happens to you if you win. Study of older men in the Netherlands, known for its luscious chocolate indicated those who ate the equivalent of one-third of a chocolate bar every day had lower blood pressure and a reduced risk of death. Apparently, a lot of these people who ate chocolate simply didn't die, ever. The researchers say, however, it's too early to conclude it was chocolate that led to better health. The men who ate more cocoa products could have shared other qualities that made them healthier. Experts also point out that eating too much chocolate can make you fat, which is a risk for both heart disease and high blood pressure. It's way too early to make recommendations about whether people should eat more cocoa or chocolate, said Brian Bougies, a nutritionalist epidemiologist at Wageningen University in the Netherlands.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, if that alone doesn't impress you. It's the latest twist for the mega-selling conspiracy thriller The Da Vinci Code, a lawsuit against the book's publisher for breach of copyright, that contained the novel and delay the much anticipated movie version. Michael Begent and Richard Lee, authors of the 1982 nonfiction book The Holy Blood and the Holy Grail, are suing publisher Random House Inc. over the allegation that parts of their work form the basis of Dan Brown's novel, which has sold more than 40 million copies nationwide, uh, worldwide, I should say, and remains high on bestseller lists nearly three years after its. Publication. If the writers succeed in securing an injunction to bar the use of their material, they could hold up the scheduled May 19th release of the Da Vinci Code film starring Tom Hanks and directed by Ron Howard, sure to be a blockbuster. Sony Pictures said it planned to release the film as scheduled. The lawsuit is not about the movie and we're proceeding with our, our plan, said Jim Kelly, Senior Vice President of Corporate Communications at Sony. Brown, who rarely speaks to the media, said... Uh, attentively before a judge he sat attentively before a judge in london's high court short walk from temple church the place of worship founded by the knights templar which figures in the novel a new hampshire native who still lives in his home state and has been working on a new novel brown is expected to give evidence here next week we'll stay right on top of that for you because we know it's so fucking important Effa Manley became the first woman elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame when the former Newark Eagles co-owner was among 17 people from the Negro Leagues and pre-Negro Leagues chosen today by a special committee. This is an historic date at the Hall of Fame, Shrine President Dale Petrovsky said. I hope that someday there'll be a woman in the Hall. It's a pretty proud moment. The year's Hall class, 18, including former reliever Bruce Sutter, is by far the biggest in history, breaking the record of 11 back in... 1946, there are now 278 Hall members. Mule Suttles and uh, Biz Mackey were among uh, the uh, 12 players selected, along with five executives. I always love it when they do that. They always slip in like a George Steinbrenner. Dennis Weaver, the diffident deputy Chester Good in the TV classic Western Gunsmoke and the canny New Mexico deputy solving New York crime in McLeod, has died. He was 81 years old. Weaver died of complications from cancer on Friday at his home in Ridgeway in southwestern Colorado. According to his publicist, Julian Myers, he was a wonderful man and a fine actor, and we will all miss him, said Bert Reynolds, who played alongside Weaver in Gunsmoke. Weaver was a struggling actor in Hollywood in 1955, earning 60 bucks a week delivering flowers when he was offered 300 bucks a week for a role in a new CBS TV series, Gunsmoke. After nine years as Chester, he played the uh, stiff-legged gate, <laughs> hobbling around. You may recall he was making 9,000 smackers a week. When Weaver first auditioned for the series, he found the character of Chester inane. He wrote in his 2001 autobiography, All the World's a Stage, that he said to himself, with all my actor studio training, I'll correct this character by using my own experiences and drawing from myself. The result was a well-rounded character that appealed to audiences, especially with his drawing, Mr. Dillon. At the end of seven hit seasons, Weaver sought other horizons. He announced his departure, but failures of plots for his own series caused him to return to Gunsmoke on a limited basis for two more years, and then he got an Emmy for the 58-59 series Dead at 81 years old, McLeod, and uh, Chester Good, Dennis Weaver. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Chester Radio this Monday, February the 27th, the year of our lard, 2007. Hanging behind the glass with uh, the Lord of Sin and uh, why not stop by the Jester Radio uh, chat room and throw your two shekels into the thick of the fray? Bob the Engineer has asked me to remind you that the request lines are now officially open. Head over to www.jesterradio.com and click on it where it says request. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air within 15 minutes or something terrible happens to Bob. And I'm not going to say what it is, but it involves much pain and bleeding. And that's a little sacrifice he, he makes for the show. He actually doesn't mind it a bit. This one goes out to Sid the neighbor. Don't fuck with that dial. You're on JR.
0: time that I picked it up, I had a big surprise. Cause right on the bottom were two big buttons that looked like the green eyes. I first pushed one and then the other. Then I twisted its lid. And when I set it down again, here is what it did. It went zet it when up then oh. when it stood still. I never knew just what it was, and I guess I never will. It first marched left, and then marched straight, then marched under a chair. And when I looked where it had gone, it wasn't even there. I started to cry, but my daddy laughed, cause he knew that I would find. When I turned around, my marvelous toy would be chubby When it moved, then, when it stopped, then, when it stood
3: still, I never knew just what it was, and I guess I never will. The years have gone by too quickly, it seems i have my own little boy
0: and yesterday i gave to him my marvelous little toy
3: his eyes nearly popped right out of his head, and he gave a squeal of glee. Neither one of us knows just what it
0: is, but he loves it just like me. It still goes zip when it moves, and pop when it stops, and whirr when it stands still. I never knew just what it was, and I guess I never will. every stitch you got to pick up every stitch
5: mm-hmm. must be the season of the witch must be the season of
0: the witch.
4: think i see Summer cat looking over It's shoulder. And-
0: ¡Gracias! Que...
1: Donovan Leach on Jester Radio. When I look out the window, there's so many people to be, and it's strange. Got to pick up every stitch. That one goes out to Espo, Peter, Paul, and Mary before that, and the Marvelous Toy. You're tuned in to the Ravings of a Clune on Jester Radio. This Monday, February the 27th, the year of our Lard 2009 Hanging with Lord of Sin. Hey, Lord, how's it going, bud? How you doing? <laughs> Four armed men stole several famous paintings today, or rather on Friday, including a Picasso and a Monet from a Rio de Janeiro museum and then slipped away in a crowd of carnival revelers. Officials of the Chacara Do Sue museum in downtown Rio said among the stolen paintings were Pablo Picasso's Dance Claude Monet's Marine, Henri Matisse's Luxembourg garden, and Salvador Dali's two balconies. They just fucking lifted them up and walked right through the crowd. The men who were suspected of carrying a grenade forced the guards to turn off the internal television circuit. One of the guards was manhandled. They took advantage of a carnival parade passing by the museum and disappeared into the crowd said Vera de Alencar, director of the museum, which is administered by the federal government. Museum officials did not say how many paintings were stolen or place a value on them. The thieves also walked away with the belongings of several visitors, including three foreign tourists. They just shook down everybody in sight. The federal police are investigating the case and taking measures to prevent the paintings from leaving the country. Peter Abrams has an original excuse for a lost wedding ring. A crocodile ate it, along with the arm it was attached to. He took my wedding ring. I suppose he ate it up, Abrams told Just Radio by telephone from his hospital today as he recounted his life or death struggle with a man-eating reptile. The 47-year-old farmer had the lower part of his left arm torn off in the attack last Thursday on a citrus plantation in South Africa's northern Limpopo province, but he's counting his blessings as he could have easily lost his life. I took my horse for an evening swim in one of the farm dams. There are lots of crocs and hippos in the area, but they move around all the time from dam to dam and into the river and out again, he said. It was on the lookout. I was on the lookout for hippos and didn't see any. It slipped my mind that there might be crocodiles, he said. You imagine you imagine it slipping your mind that there may be crocodiles nearby? I can't imagine that. You got to ask yourself, what, what kind of indigenous, uh, you know, um, fucking uh, psychedelic drug was this guy wasted on? He was standing belly deep in water about five meters from the shore when he felt a biting jolt. In his left hip, he said he thought it was a hippo, but quickly realized it was a crocodile. I started to fight immediately, so I hit him with my left arm, and then he went for my left forearm, Abraham said. He pulled me under the water for a few seconds, and I knew... This was his biggest advantage. I realized if I didn't stand up, my wife will never find me again, he said. Somehow he managed to stumble to his feet. Then he felt the crocodile lose its grip. What I didn't realize at the time was that it let go because it had taken part of my left arm off. With his right arm, Abraham's then grabbed the rope of the horse, which fortunately for him chose that moment to take flight and dragging him to safety. Now, was it a coincidence that the horse took off or did he have some kind of understanding. Abrahams then walked 200 meters to his house, and his wife drove him the 40 miles to the nearest hospital. I'm lucky I didn't lose too much blood. The biggest problem with a croc bite is it can be septic. They never brush their teeth, he said. And when he gets out of the hospital, does he plan to look for the culprit? Oh, yeah. I'll be looking for him, all right, he said with a laugh. A laugh, but then he also bought a hatchet that day. A Colombian man has been sentenced to four years house arrest for slapping a woman's ass as he rode by her on his bicycle, sparking debate on whether the punishment fit the crime, showing reenactments of the incident. TV news in Bogota, Colombia, showed uh, TV uh, news shows were filled on Friday with legal experts offering opinions about the uh, judgment handed down earlier this week by Bogota's district court. Some said that to confine bicycle messenger Victor Garcia to his home for four years for smacking Diana Marcella Diaz's buttocks was excessive. Others said it will deter other men. One program showed three models having their denim-clad bottoms smacked so hard by a phantom hand it could clearly be heard by television viewers. The women said that while the punishment seemed extreme, they hoped the case would mean that they would be safer while on foot. It happened to me once, one of the models said. I was walking very relaxed, and a guy rode by on his bicycle and said, ta, and he smacked me. I took off my shoe to hit him, but he was already too far away. (laughs) Sounds like these chicks could take care of themselves. I mean, and what's the fucking harm? We're not talking about guys who are beating women or you know they're you they're humiliating them only because there's this taboo about touching one person touching another person's ass and you know the truth is if it was the uh, if it was the opposite chicks were riding by guys on bicycles and smacking them in the ass they wouldn't be filing complaints they wouldn't be sending people to jail they would be forming fan clubs guys would be bragging about how many times they got smacked in the ass by one particular messenger or another. They wouldn't be suing nobody. They'd be they'd be going for the title. So it's really all about you know culture and mores and what people think is uh, acceptable, you know. And uh the truth is that it's a mental thing. Nobody really physically gets hurt, so we could take that off off the board. So is it right for somebody to invade another person's space and touch their rear end? Well, uh, technically, no. Not if they don't want you to. No, of course, that's not cool. But why don't they want you to? Nobody gets hurt. So, and you know what I say, it's because of God. The tale of a rambunctious puppy is proving its staying power in the dog-eat-dog world of U.S. bestsellers. With more than one million copies in print, Marley and Me, Life and Love with the World's Worst Dog has struck a chord with dog lovers who are laughing and crying over author John Grogan's account of his yellow Labrador Retriever. The story is more than a recounting of Marley's antics that include uh, chewing through doors, expulsion from obedience school, clawing paint off concrete walls devouring furniture, swallowing valuable jewelry, and swooning over soiled diapers. The excitable, good-natured lab also knows how to protect the family's tiny children and consoles the couple when they grieve over a miscarriage. The nonfiction book has been in the New York Times bestseller list for 17 weeks. seems likely to break the barrier of a million copies sold, a feat generally accomplished by no more than a dozen books each year in the United States hardcover nonfiction market. It's really not just a dog book. Grogan said in an interview with Jester Radio, before Marley, our life was about career, relationship, and ourselves. According to uh, Grogan, a columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, he helped us shift from an egocentric life to something more generous. In the book, Grogan wrote, Marley taught me about living each day with unbridled exuberance and joy, about seizing the moment and following your heart, He taught me to appreciate the simple things, a walk in the woods, a fresh snowfall, a nap in the shaft of winter sunlight. Dogs are good things, man. If you have any possibility of getting yourself one, you should run out and get yourself a doggy, because they are so good, man. They lower your blood pressure right down. It's always so peaceful and cool to be with a dog, you know? Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Just Radio coming up this hour, Trivia IA. And th- this, um, something very special happens to you if you win this trivia challenge. So stick around for that. And uh, we'll talk more about what's going on in that sick fucking world of yours. And we'll take a close look at what's going on in that sick fucking world of mine. Featuring our very cool new move to podcasting, whatever the fuck that is. This one goes out to Lord of Sin. Please don't fuck with that doll. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. What
4: day is it? And in what month? This clock never seems so alive. I can't keep up and I can't back down. I've been losing so much time. Cause that's you and me and all other people Nothing to do, nothing to lose And it's you and me and all other people And I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you Say, just down coming out right. I'm tripping on words. You got my head spinning. I don't know where to go from here. Cause there's you and me and all other people. Nothing to do, nothing to prove. You and me And all our people And I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you There's something about you now I can't quite feel your arms Everything she does is beautiful Everything she does It's you and me And all other people Nothing to do Nothing to lose And there's you and me And all other people And I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you and me And all other people Nothing to do Nothing approved it's you and me and all our people and I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you What day is it? And in what my hand, this clock never seems so alive
5: Ice age heat wave can't complain If the world's at large why should I remain? Walked away to another plant Gonna find another place, maybe one I can stand I move on to another day To a whole new town with a whole new way Went to the porch to have a thought Got to the door and again I couldn't stop You don't know where and you don't know when But you still got your words and you've got your friends Walking on to another day Work a little harder, work another way Well, um, um, baby, I ain't got no plan Oh, I float on, maybe, would you understand? Gonna float on, maybe, would you understand? Well, I float on, maybe, would you understand? The days get shorter and the nights get cold. I like the autumn, but this place is getting old. I pack my belongings and I head from the coast. It might not be a lot, but I feel like I'm making the most. The days get longer and the nights smell green. I guess it's not surprising, but it's spring and I leave. Songs about drifters, books about the same They both seem to make me feel a little less insane Walked on off to another spot I still haven't gotten anywhere that I want Did I want love, did I need to know Why does it always feel like I'm caught in an undertow Lights Adding the breeze to the summer nights Outside water like everything was great I didn't know what I had that day Walking a little farther to another plan You said that you did, but you didn't understand I know that starting over is not what life is about But my thoughts were so loud I couldn't hear my mouth My thoughts were so loud I couldn't hear my mouth. My thoughts were so loud.
1: Honest on Jester Radio goes out to S. Poe, world at large, lifehouse before that, for Lord of Sin, you and me. It's just you and me this Monday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2019. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio. Coming up uh, this set, we have Jest Radio Trivia. And the winner of Jest Radio Trivia, the first one to get the correct answer in, to Trivia at Jester Radio, something extremely special happens to them. So it would be wrong for me to give away too much, but let me just put it this way. Something really special happens to you if you get it right. So stay tuned for that. Um. So, yeah, um, the the podcast thing where uh, apparently this is something the Internet is now filthy with these podcasts. And this is just another one of these puzzling terms where everybody hears for a while and they're not really sure what it's all about and they, like, you know, get into it slowly. Sometimes you sort of get forced into it, you know, like the next version of Win- of Internet Explorer is going to have... You know, RSS feeds built right into it, so a lot more people are going to discover podcasting because it's going to be like for the masses. But all it really is is um, some person's blog, their weblog, started out with people just reading their weblogs out loud, five or ten minutes, make a little MP3 file out of it, and then hook it up to RSS, Real Simple Syndication. And it's simple, it's an easy thing to do because if you get yourself an RSS reader or RSS aggregator, then it alerts you when there's a new thing to listen to or read. So you don't have to go out surfing the web and see when somebody's updated their weblog. It comes to you, so to speak. And now the same thing has happened with uh, internet radio shows. You can download and take it with and listen to it on your MP3 player or your iPod when you're uh, on the way to the office or, you know, any time that works for you. So it's sort of like the TiVo of uh, Internet radio. And to get hooked up with that, Bob the Engineer had to uh, go back to school and learn all about XML wrappers and uh, RSS feeds and how to get listed on all the listing services. So that's what we're doing now. The, the, the actual... Uh, podcast is all sitting there ready to go we just have to get listed which apparently takes a day or two so look for us on podcast.net and itunes and yahoo uh and so on and so forth and we'll keep you up to date um on that very exciting shit happening um here at just radio we've been doing this since 1999 And uh, just having a pisser with it. And uh, now we're doing some new shit. It's a case of the vanishing blondes. Ten years ago, a stroll through central Tokyo could leave travelers wondering what country they were in as they watched a parade of tanned, fair-haired women walking tall in precarious platform shoes. Now fashion has moved on, and hairdressers say bleached blonde tresses are going the way of fake tans, although a dark brown tint still seems more popular. Than natural black. The only fair haired women to be seen on the covers of Japanese fashion magazines nowadays are foreign models. Even Ayumi Hamasaki, the J- Japanese pop world's answer to Madonna, has dyed her trademark platinum locks sleek black to stay ahead of the curve. What's seen as attractive now is to look well groomed and cute, said hairdresser Yuko Shimuzu of the afloat F salon in Tokyo's trendy Ayoma district. People want natural looking shiny hair whereas dyeing it blonde tends to damage it. Neighboring countries are providing inspiration with popular actresses Zhang Ji of China and Choi Ji-woo of South Korea often seeing showing off their glossy dark hair in TV commercials that emphasize their Asian identity. Japanese women of a certain age have long tinted their tresses To cover the gray, light-colored hair was popular because it believed to make the face appear brighter and to be easier to coordinate with Western-style fashions. Hairdressers say admiration for European hair made even mousy brown tones a more desirable option than black, while younger Japanese of both sexes sought to express individuality with a palette of colors. While brassy blonde is out, hairdressers say few fashion-conscious Japanese women are prepared to go completely natural since many feel poker straight black hair is unflattering. Black hair simply doesn't suit Japanese women anymore because their complexions are fairer than they used to be, said Kenichi Uhara, a veteran stylist at the Double Salon in Harajuku, an area popular with young people. Magazines put forward the idea of black hair, but women aren't actually taking it up, he added. The idea is to find a color that's not too light but not too dark. What? let me tell you man I've been all around this great big world of ours and I have fucked women from hither to yon and let me tell you man the Japanese chicks there's very few women on the planet that are as hot as they are the normal looking ones the ones with the fucking freaky makeup and the light colored or orange colored hair not so much they're like they like go into that weird kabuki thing uh, and they look very funky, but the ch- hot traditional geisha-looking Jap broad, holy m- baby Moses, you know what I'm saying? So it's uh, it's too bad. A radical uh, environmental activist has been indicted by a federal grand jury for demonstrating how to build a firebomb in a speech just 15 hours after a fire that his group claimed responsibility for destroyed a large apartment complex being built nearby. How fucking stupid do you have to be? Rodney, Adam, they just blow up a building, and then 15 hours later he gives a speech on how to make a bomb, which coincidentally is just like the one that blew up the one yesterday. Rodney, Adam Coronado, a 39-year-old member of the Earth Libertarian Front, was indicted on a charge of giving instructions on how to build a destructive device, which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in federal prison. The indictment was unsealed on Wednesday. The law under which he was charged has been used just four other times since it was enacted in 1997, according to Assistant U.S. Attorney Shane Harrigan. The law makes it illegal to tell others how to build destructive devices with the intent of having them commit crimes. In the speech, Coronado mentioned the fire had just occurred, Harrigan said we have to prove his intent was to have others go out and commit arson. No one's being charged in the August 1st, 2003 early morning fire that did about $50 million in damage to the complex being built in University Town Center, a high-tech and business center near the University of California, San Diego. Authorities say the case is still under investigation. The Earth Liberation Front took responsibility for the fire, leaving a banner at the site and sending email to a local newspaper. Coronado has uh, told reporters that he showed uh, how to build a firebomb which he used to destroy an animal testing facility in Michigan in 1992. He served four years in prison for that arson. He's in federal custody in Tucson, Arizona, awaiting sentencing after being convicted of going into a public recreation area to disrupt efforts to trap and move mountain lions there. He's just a fucking wacko. (laughs) Three people who attended Coronado's speech. He just injects himself in every fucking, just one weirdo scene after another. Three people who attended Coronado's speech were jailed for refusing to testify before the grand jury about the content of the speech. All have been released. This is one of these guys who apparently has a very sick, kind of innate, kind of sick anger. Something probably happened. His father probably raped him up the ass repeatedly or something, as a small child, and he grew up with this rage, this silent rage, and he's just been looking his whole life for different reasons to go blow shit up. Those sons of bitches want to move lions from the left to the right? Fuck them. <laughs> Isn't there a bomb for that? Okay, it's uh, time for Jester Radio Trivia. IA be the first person to get the correct answer. Email it into uh, something at something. They probably won't get it from that. It's, um, thank you, Robert. Trivia at jesterradio.com. And something very special will happen to you. Here you go. Now, uh, Jan and Dean, you remember them, right? They did Dead Man's Curve. Well, one of their very first records was a song called Linda, which was written in 1944 by Jack Lawrence, about a friend of his, two-year-old daughter, who was named Linda. Now, the question to you is, what was Linda's last name? Linda's last name, the one that uh, Jack Lawrence wrote that song in 1944 about, and Jan and Dean did. Okay, be the first one to get that into uh, trivia at jesterradio.com. Something really cool happens to you. Guess who? On Chester Radio. Please don't fuck with that dial. It starts getting good right now.
0: is breaking it's early morn taxi's waiting he's blowing his horn already i'm so lonesome i could cry Tell me that you'll wait for me Hold me like you'll never let me go I'm leaving on a jet plane I don't know when I'll be back again Oh, babe, I hate to go And smile for me Tell me that you Oh, Again. I hate to go.
1: PP and M on Jester Radio. Leaving on a jet plane. John Denver's uh, breakthrough hit. And another great place to listen to the Jester Radio podcast if you happen to be traveling. Guess who before that? No time, what? No time to sit in front of your computer and listen to the ravings of a clown, well, now you could take with. Uh, the, this evening's uh, Jester trivia question is, what was uh, Linda's last name, uh, the one referenced in the song written by Jack Lawrence in 1944? That was uh, Jan and Dean super hit off their Surf City album, and uh, be the first one to get the correct answer into trivia at jestradio.com, and something incredibly wonderful will happen to you. Magical almost. Surreal. Most U.S. workers say they feel rushed on the job, but they're getting less accomplished than a decade ago, according to a newly released survey. Workers completed two-thirds of their work in an average day last year, down from about three-quarters in a 1994 study, according to research conducted by daytimers the East Texas, uh, Pennsylvania-based maker of organizational products. The biggest culprit is the technology that was supposed to make work quicker and easier, experts say. Technology has sped everything up, and by speeding everything up, it slowed everything down. Paradoxically, said John Challenger, chief executive of Chicago-based Outplacement consultants, Challenger Gray and Christmas. We never concentrate on one task anymore. You take a little chip out of it and then you're on to the next thing, Challenger said. It's harder to feel like you're accomplishing something. Unlike a decade ago, U.S. workers were bombarded with email, computer messages, cell phone calls, voicemails, and the like. The average time spent on a computer at work was almost 16 hours a week last year compared with nine and a half hours a decade ago, according to Daytimer. Research released this week. Workers typically get 46 emails a day, nearly half of which are crap. 60% of workers say they always or frequently feel rushed, but those who feel extremely or very productive dropped to 51% from 83% in 1994. This is really just a survey of how productive people feel, not really how productive they are. Because I don't know if those are necessarily the same a woman who tripped and fell over letters packages and periodicals left on her front porch can sue the US postal service for damages the supreme court ruled on wednesday the 7 to 1 ruling was a victory for barbara dolan who said she suffered wrist and back injuries when she fell in 2001 in front of her glendale pennsylvania home she said postal employee, employees acted negligently by leaving the mail on her porch It was negligent for them to deliver the mail to her porch. No further details were available on the circumstances of her fall. The justices said a U.S. appeals court has been wrong to dismiss the lawsuit on the grounds that federal law provided immunity to the Postal Service over lawsuits claiming negligent mail service or delivery. Of course, they're scared shitless because they deliver 660 pieces of mail a day. And uh, you know their lawyers are fucking going apeshit. If people start suing them because you left a letter on the porch and you tripped over it, they're going to be in some serious shit. Justice Clarence Thomas dissented from the ruling. You're gonna, we're going to stay on top of that one. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. It's Monday, February the twenty seventh, the year of our Lord two thousand and three. And we're all psyched about uh, getting our new podcast launched. Pretty soon you'll be able to download and listen to uh, our show on your portable MP3 player. Or you could listen to it online any time of the day or night if you miss it. And how cool is that? It's a special day here at Jester Radio. In fact, it's a beautiful day. You too, on Jester Radio.
2: Opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, but you capture. We move toward a new world order, a normal life is boring, but superstar. Roof off like two dogs cage. I was playing in the beginning, the mood all changed. I've been chewed up and spit out and moved off stage. But I kept priming and stepped right in the next cipher. Best believe somebody's paying a Pied Piper. All the pain inside amplified by the fact that I can't get by with my nine to five, and I can't provide the right type of life for my family because man, he's got. Jack
1: on Jester Radio. Lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss a chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime, yo. You too. Before that, it's a beautiful day. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Monday, February the 27th, the year of our lard, 2006. Congratulations go out to Ernie Banks, not the not the Hall of Famer, I don't think. Can't be sure about that. He got the question correctly this evening's Jester trivia was, what was the last name of the Linda? She was two years old at the time that Jack Lawrence wrote a song about her in 1944. And uh, Janet Dean had a big hit with it. And the question was, what was her last name? What was Linda's last name? And, of course, her last name was Eastman. And she's the same little girl who grew up to marry Paul and become Linda McCartney. And then she died of cancer a couple of years ago, and Paul replaced her with one that was missing a leg. You're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Just Radio. Congratulations goes out to Ernie Banks on yet another accomplishment in addition to being a um a a, 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 a very famous uh, hall hall of uh, famer for fielding and pitching um, he also uh, gets his name spoken out loud on uh, jester radio so that's the wonderful prize hope you enjoy it ernie thanks for playing along a woman who tripped oh we did this story. Um, what else do we have for you here? Here's a, uh, you might want to, you might want to put down the, um, the chili for a minute. A central uh, Ohio man allegedly told police last week that he likes to drink the urine of adolescent boys. Alan Patton, 54 years old, is in jail after allegedly telling Gahanna, Ohio police about his affliction or his affection for urine, police said Patton goes to family restaurants and movie theaters and waits for boys in a bathroom stall. Investigator says he shuts off the water to the child-level urinal. You know, there's always, like, one for little kids, and sometimes you get stuck at it if everybody else is at all the other. So he may accidentally be drinking some big people's urine once in a while. But mostly he gets the little kid. He takes, He turns off the water and he puts the a cup in the bottom of the little kitty urinal, and then he goes back and retrieves the cup and drinks the urine. According to the t- Detective Ron and Patton allegedly told police that he leaves the stall after a child leaves. He lays in wait. and interviewed Patton after he was arrested while leaving a movie theater last week. Somebody noticed he was seeing an awful lot of Disney movies. Listening to him to describe it, it's like listening to a crack or cocaine addict. He's addicted to children's urine. Fifth and said, according to police, Patton said he's been drinking urine for years. Sometimes he mix it with uh, with um, like Sonny D. He told us he's been doing it for over forty years since he was seven years old. Something's t- totally broken in this poor man. He's cracked straight down the middle. This guy. I don't know if we'll ever be able to bring him back. Police said Patton told them it makes him sick, but that it's almost spiritual to him. He allegedly added, I like it because it makes me closer to them, like I'm drinking their youth. By the way, take a look at this guy. He's 54. He looks like he's 94. So he's not drinking their youth. He's making himself sick after 40 years of drinking piss. By the way, the shit that comes out of you and your piss, it's toxins. That's why the body is getting rid of it. It's not good for you. Police said Patton told them it makes him sick. New Albany, Ohio, father played a role in Patton's arrest. He told someone in a movie theater that Patton was staring at his son in the bathroom. And the theater employee then called the police officials, said Patton is a registered sexual predator who was convicted of rape 13 years ago. Police believe Patton has been collecting and drinking urine in cities around central Ohio, including Hillard, Westerville, Dublin, Worthington, and Gahanna. So if you're from any of those places and you have a little kid, likely he's been guzzling the kid's piss. So you're going to have to somehow reconcile yourself with that. I'm not sure how. Because that's kind of freaky. Linda Eastman is the answer to uh, this evening's uh, trivia question. Uh, Extra special uh, thanks go out to uh, Ernie Banks and uh, Hugh Jardin. You're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Monday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2006. You can see the morning, but I can see the light. You understand what I'm saying? No? All right, well, listen to Bachman Turner Overdrive and maybe you'll get it. Don't fuck with that dial. You're on Jester Radio.
2: Across
0: the road Trying to make the other side Ever seen a young girl Growing old Trying to make herself a
5: a young man And all I thought I had to do was smile
0: of sixpence six minutes for your sake And take a bottle full of rye Four and twenty pounds
3: This is BJ, and I listen to Jester Radio. Maybe one of these days he'll be as good as some of these crappy college stations. <laughs>
1: Great place to listen to the Ravings of a Clown on Just Radio. Baby, you could drive my car. And while you're there, uh, tune in to uh, the Ravings of a Clown, handbags and glad rags. Before that, from Rod Stewart, BTO, blew the pooch on Let It Ride. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Just Radio this Monday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2007. Extra special thanks this evening goes out to Dano and Espo and Sid the Neighbor and Ms. American Girl, and all those folks that stopped by the Jester Radio chat room and sent in their requests. Bob has asked me to remind you to leave it on Jester Radio 24 hours a day. It's good for you and good for us. And stay tuned for more information about our exclusive podcasts, where you can uh, listen to uh, the previous or any previous episode of The Ravings of a Clown at your leisure, either streaming online on the Internet or download it to your favorite MP3 player and take it with you. This just in, the latest CBS News poll finds President Bush's approval rating has fallen to an all-time low of 34%. While pessimism about the Iraq war has risen to a new high, Americans are also overwhelmingly opposed to the Bush-backed deal giving the uh, Dubai-owned company operational control over six major U.S. ports. We reported on earlier this evening, seven in ten Americans, including 58% of Republicans, say they're opposed to the government. These are the people they elected. CBS News senior White House correspondent Jim Axelrod report that uh, now it turns out the Coast Guard had concerns about the ports deal. Disclosure, that's no doubt troubling to a president who assured Americans there was no security risk from the deal. The troubling results for the Bush administration come uh, amid reminders about the devastating impact of Hurricane Katrina, negative assessments of how the government and the president have handled it for the past six months. In a separate poll... Two out of three Americans said they did not think that President Bush responded adequately to the needs of the Katrina victims. Only 32% approve of the way President Bush is responding to those needs. A drop of 12 points from last September's poll taken just weeks after the storm made landfall. So the American people have spoken by way of poll. Unfortunately, they don't speak with their vote because they keep reelecting the same fucking retard over and over again. They want uh, their government to spend money. It's quite clear on the victims of hurricanes, and they don't want them to spend money on frivolous um, wars. Mr. Bush's overall job rating has fallen to 34%, down from 42% last month, 59%. Disapprove of the job the president's doing. For the first time in this poll, most Americans say the president does not care much about the people like themselves. 51% now think that he doesn't care compared to 47% last fall. Just 30% approve of how Bush is handling the Iraq war, another all-time low. By 2-1, to the poll finds Americans think U.S. efforts to bring stability to Iraq is going badly. The worst assessment yet of progress in Iraq, even on fighting terrorism, which has long been a strong suit for Bush. His ratings drop lower than ever. Half of Americans say they disapprove of how he's handling the war on terror, Only 43% approve. In a bright spot for the administration, most Americans appear to have heard enough about Vice President Dick Cheney's hunting accident. More than three in four said it was understandable that the accident had occurred. You slang down enough brewskis in the afternoon. Of course, you're bound to fucking pepper your hunting partner. Two-thirds said the media had spent too much time covering the story, but not enough time on Bill Clinton's blowjob Still, the incident appears to have made the public already negative view of Cheney more so. Just eighteen percent, eighteen percent, had a favorable view of the vice president, which was down from twenty-three percent, lowest rating a vice president has ever had since they started keeping records. Americans were evenly split on whether or not Cheney's explanation of why there was a delay in reporting the accident was satisfactory. It took him twenty hours. To break the story, and they did it through the woman who owns the property where he accidentally shot a um, hunting partner of his, 71-year-old geezer, who then went on to have a heart attack because one of those little buckshot pellets got dangerously close to his aorta valve. Stupid asshole. The reason that they delayed it 20 hours is because he was drunk as a skunk he was fucking wasted and we know that alcohol was involved because they lied about it first the woman who reported it to her local fucking newspaper some you know little small town bugle said there was absolutely no alcohol at the event but then later on somebody said yes there was alcohol and then she retracted it and said oh yeah uh, there was maybe beer was made available at lunch but i didn't see anybody who had any and then dick cheney said that he had one beer at lunch so it was all bullshit. And then, of course, the police completely cleared them of all charges how they could do so because they didn't even take any drug tests or alcohol tests. But uh, they're confident that everything is on the up and up. So if it's good enough for them, it's certainly good enough for me. You've been listening to the Ravings of a Clown this Monday, February the 27th, the year of our Lord, 2006. Please don't fuck with that dial. We'll be right back to say goodnight. Little feet, rock it in your pocket. Got your iPod heading down the avenue listening to Jester radio. That's the way God intended it to be. Don't fuck with that dial. Well, Little feet on jester radio, rocket in your pocket, caps it off for this evening's show. Shout outs go out to all our intrepid listeners in the United States, Canada, Germany, United Kingdom, Australia, Japan, China's People's Republic of Saudi Arabia, even those guys that we lampoon all the time. They're tuning in, they got the fucking uh, balls to take a joke. South Africa, Antigua, and Barbuda. The Slovak Republic, Sweden, and uh, to all those tuned in from elsewhere around the world, extra special thanks go out to each and every one of you. Remember, please be impeccable with your words. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. And always, always do your best. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. Until that time, Houston. Tune in again at 2 a.m. and then again at uh, 2 p.m. all times following to check out the recast of this evening's show in case you missed any portion of it. You know I love you, which is why I miss you again. already.
3: Just can't wait to get on the road
0: again.
1: Good night. I'll see you tomorrow.
3: Life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road
0: again. On the road again. Places that I've never been, seeing things that I may never see again. I can't wait to get on the road again, on the road again. Like a band of gypsies, we go down.